worth an old bloke. But a uh, Ken, you got a couple years till you're there, buddy. All right. But this is true apostolic succession. One minister brings another to Christ and then charges that one to teach others also. The question must be asked. I remember watching a David Jeremiah, uh, David Jeremiah, Jeremiah, David Jeremiah. There was a video a while back of uh, David Jeremiah meeting in an old school church. And uh, Darren Patrick, Darren Patrick. Uh, we watched it as a church, a video of this preacher, an, an amazing man in a church, beautiful building, much to what we're moving into, possibly, Lord willing, you know what I mean. Uh, just churchy church, right? Got a big old steeple, all that, open the door, see all the people. Problem was, no people were inside, okay? Over all the years, they'd all died off. They'd all, it's extinct. The church is built in the 1850s. And everyone's gone now. And how sad it is that where there once was life and a work of the Spirit, people weren't obedient to the call of God to raise up the next generation and entrust them with the gospel. You guys, question it must be asked. Where are we going to be as a church in the next five generations? As we go into a building purchase. Where are we going to be? Are we going to be looking for someone to come take this building from us because, because we didn't do our job? And I'm speaking for us, not for anybody else. We are where we are. Have we looked for those young ones in the faith that we can then give that good deposit? Are we going to be here in 50 years? How about you right now? Are you a disciple? First of all. And then are you a disciple who is making disciples? At Calvary Chapel, we desire to see unbelievers get saved in their adulthood, in their, in their seniority. But we also have a major passion for the young ones. We want little kids to come in this church and to get saved in this church. And to be discipled in this church, there's effort being put into the next generation back there right now in this classroom. We are looking at curriculum right now that will help press the gospel into these young ones. So that they will be the next pastors of this church, the next women's ministry, core group leaders, host homes, you know, custodians, uh, you know, all the, the evangelists, the Nepal team fill in this pulpit, you know, that, that it would be from within that we raise up my replacement because we are doing the task of 2 Timothy 2.2. This is a great urgency for us. Will Calvary Chapel of Crook County sustain two more generations? Five more generations. In Paul's case, it seemed the church was teetering on the brink of extinction. He was going to die and get his head lopped off in just a little bit. Everybody in Asia had forsaken him. A couple guys had been faithful, but he's passing on the good word to a guy named Timothy who is very timid and young. And so he, this whole book of 2 Timothy is about, look, man, I'm on my way out. Now you need to hold the line. You need to guard truth. 
even if it means dying for it, don't waver in any way, though the world would call you to waver. Stand up for what is true in the word of God. Be ready to suffer. Be ready to die for it. And hey, by the way, raise up your replacement because you might not have long either. Are we doing that? It's a large part of our vision as a church to be doing that. That's our vision statement and our mission statement as a church undergirds that. How do we do this? So everything we do as a church comes underneath that umbrella of whatever we do, is it going to help us raise up that next generation to be proclaimers of the gospel? Going through it right now in children's ministry curriculum, looking at youth group, Wednesdays, what's Wednesday going to look like? Get some leaders to come help us with Wednesday so that we can entrust teaching the youth to those guys. Give them some teaching experience and let them go with that ball so they can run with it. Everything we do, we hope to be doing that vision of Paul towards Timothy. Have you ever considered the fact that perhaps the greatest thing you'll ever do with your life is to pour into a future leader? Because you can do that. You don't have to be a pastor to do that, or an elder to do that. In 1606, William Perkins wrote a book entitled The Calling of Ministry. In it, he has a chapter called The Scarcity of True Ministers, in which he says, good ministers are one in a thousand. And he advises, if ministers are few in number, then all you can do is increase their number. So let every minister, both in his teaching and conversation, work in such a way that he honors his calling so that he may attract others to share his love for it. We need a vision for multiplying the gospel beyond us. And just talking with the elders yesterday, you know, and, and actually talking with guys who are drawing near to the eldership because we see them as blokes worth watching, and talking with them about, hey, what can we do to muster our body to want to be disciples? You know, personally reading books on leadership right now, man, I want to be a leader that's worth following. But you know what? Even at the end of the day, that doesn't add up. What's needed is a work of the Holy Spirit. And I was remembering with these guys yesterday that in my own personal testimony, I'd seen enough religion. I'd seen enough just like, hey, check the card, get to church once a week. And for me as a youth, that wasn't enough. That wasn't palatable. That didn't make me hungry or thirsty for more. But what I saw was a work of the Holy Spirit in other people's lives where they were loving Jesus. They were loving Jesus. They were satisfied in Jesus. They were youth. They were in high school. And these high schoolers who had been partying, who had been womanizers, who had been into drugs, who had been into living the life, being very good at skateboarding and athletics, they had come to find that in comparison, Jesus is so much better. He's just so much better. So these guys quit the womanizing life, quit the drug dealing life, quit being even popular in schools and those popular guys in the school, and they actually started following Jesus. And I could see in them, in their worship, that they were really with Jesus. And that led to them being ostracized from their classmates, mocked in public as they would preach the gospel in a public forum in their high school, completely you know, persecuted in the school system. But that's exactly what Paul says will happen. Be ready to suffer 
for the sake of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner. And all that to say, blokes worth watching are guys that have been with Jesus. Because when we see people who are with Jesus, they might be untrained, they might be uneducated, as Acts chapter 4 tells us, but they have been in the presence of the Lord. I want to follow that guy. I want to learn from that guy. So how do we do this? I don't know that there's a perfect plan, and we've tried to, to white-knuckle a perfect plan, prayerfully, try and spirit-led. What's, how do we do this, Lord? Well, let's, you know, there's been times where we like, oh, you know, in, um, this is apart from membership, just in case you're wondering, but there was a day when we started core groups up that we were like, we just want everybody to just know the cost of discipleship, and you got a sign right here to know when you come into our discipleship group, it's a cost, you might even die, you know, and it's like, we were led by the Spirit to do that, and that isn't wrong. The Lord was getting us as a, part, as a place of a church to say, we got to know this, that it's intense. And then another year go by, I'm just like, Lord, lead us with who we've got right now. How do we do this? But in one way or another, however it looks, methods are many, principles are few. Methods keep changing, but principles never do. And the principle is make disciples. Who will make disciples? And biblically, it seems to happen through careful observation. So who's a bloke worth watching? Okay. Secondly, relational development. Just start having coffee with that person. Have tea with that person. Invite them over for dinner. Get to a point where you might have them over for dinner once a week with the families. Let the kids play together. And just be intentional. We're just going to grow as friends. Pastoral coaching. That even where you are at, you can start encouraging them in the scripture, encouraging them in the things of the Lord. With them, be prayerful in discerning their calling in life and in ministry. Cultivating godly character in their life. Having that relationship come to a point where there's confession of sin, there's repentance of sin, and you're able to speak into the character of the individual and help them live lives of holiness before the Lord. And increase their competency. Get them come to equip. Let's start listening to this teaching series. Let's read this book together. Let's learn and grow in the things of the Lord together. Training up faithful men who will train up others also. <clears throat> there are six metaphors, uh, rather three metaphors, must have been a typo there, uh, that come after this verse. This life of discipleship, of raising up disciples, is likened to, first of all, a good soldier who's dedicated. We see that in verse 3. It's likened to uh, a, an athlete that competes according to the rules and a hardworking farmer, a hardworking farmer. But before I move on to that, I wanted to just read a little something that I wrote, and I got to go down because I was kind of planning on inserting it in later. Because back in the 1700s, there was a guy named George Whitfield. Uh, he was a preacher of the gospel, which is sort of ironic because the gospel preaching is likened to a field white with the harvest. So his name is synonymous with his calling, a white field, a Whitfield, right? George Whitfield was one of the spearheads of the Great Awakening early on in our country's history. He was 
He was a guy that was kicked out of churches for preaching the gospel, and so he ended up going out and preaching out in the fields. Also interesting that his name is Whitfield. But he was famous for open-air preaching, so much so that even Benjamin Franklin would hear him preach the gospel. And there's, some, there's a little bit of uh, debate on if Benjamin Franklin actually ever ended up getting saved. Albert Moeller recently did an incredible study on that he did eventually get saved through the ministry of George Whitfield. So just kind of an, a neat study that I recently did. All that to say, George Whitfield was a man who invested in these men worth watching. Let me share a little bit about my life, okay? Rory Rogers, I'm not talking about Whitfield, so me, Rory, okay? Some of you know this, but my, just recently I found out, probably two years ago, that my distant grandfather on my mother's mother's side was a man named Titans Lane, okay? Titans Lane was the first pastor in the state of Tennessee. He actually planted the first church in Tennessee. It was called Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church. Uh, as I began to find this out, we have a friend doing genealogy stuff. She found this out, passed it on to me. I began to do research, found out Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church is still a church to this day. It's incredibly healthy. They are about the commission of the Lord. In fact, even in their building, they have a mission statement written up on the wall, just like we do, okay? So also kind of ironic in the whole thing is one of my son's name is Titus, and one of my daughter's names is Laney. His name was Titus Lane. Has the same meaning. All of that crazy stuff as I'm researching this. But let me read this from an article that I wrote. My distant grandfather on my mother's mother's side, Titus Lane, his story has a preface with the ministry of George Whitfield, the English evangelist whose, quote, bristling, crackling, and thundering open-air preaching led to the Great Awakening in the mid-1700s. One man who was converted and called by Whitfield's Connecticut ministry was a guy named Shubal Stearns. Stearns, much like his predecessor Whitfield, was an ardent evangelist whose physical demeanor and speech, quote, was musical and strong. They were both used mightily by the Holy Spirit to bring about what has been known as the Great Awakening of the Southern Colonies. During this awakening, Shubal Stearns started a church in Sandy Creek, Virginia, which within its first 16 years was used by God to plant 42 other churches and send out 125 preachers. This church's story is recognized as one of, quote, the most profound religious movements in American history. Thousands of churches today can trace their roots back to the Sandy Creek Baptist Church revival. During the Shubal Stearns revival, Titans Lane, who had, quote, hateful feelings for Baptists, was curious to go hear Shubal Stearns preach. He rode 40 miles on horseback and then entering the area of the ministry saw a man with a book seated beneath a peach tree speaking with a crowd of people. Lane writes, he fixed his eyes upon me immediately, which made me feel in such a manner as I'd never felt before. I turned to quit the place but could not proceed far. I walked about, sometimes catching his eyes as I walked. My uneasiness increased and became intolerable. 
I went up to him thinking that a salutation and shaking hands would relieve me, but it happened otherwise. I began to think that he had an evil eye and was to be shunned, but shun I could no more affect. Then a bird can shun the rattlesnake when it fixes its eyes upon it. When he began to preach, my perturbations increased so that nature could no longer support them, and I sunk to the ground. It was there that Tidence Lane was born again, and with his family, he was to never be the same. His brother Dutton also was saved through Stern's ministry and became an ardent preacher leading revivals among friends and family. Their father had a hatred for the Baptists and was furious at his sons. When hearing that his wife had heard Dutton speak, he became so enraged that he struck her, he grabbed his rifle to kill Dutton. Mrs. Lane begged her husband to hear Dutton preach before making the harsh call to kill him. Richard agreed and would come under such conviction of the Spirit that he would be saved and baptized by uh, Dutton soon after. Tidence Lane would become a close disciple of Stearns, so much so that when Stearns died without children, the settling of the estate was Lane's responsibility. Soon after, Lane, who possessed great fervor and leadership ability, would move to Tennessee and establish a church named after the geographical marker, which was nearby, Buffalo Ridge. The church grew in numbers and was established at the time of Britain's army's southern advance of treachery to the pioneers who'd left the Church of England. And then there's a whole story about Tidence leading the over-mountain men and conquering Cornwallis. Uh, it wasn't Cornwallis, it was uh, Patrick, I believe, at King's Mountain, which began the end of the Revolutionary War. So all of that great history and just incredible writing, if I must say so, was to share a little bit of my story, that I can trace my heritage back to even a George Whitfield, a George Whitfield who preached the gospel to Shubal Stearns, who preached the gospel to Tidence Lane, who no doubt preached the gospel, who preached the gospel all the way even through to where my granny, Wanda Khan, <laughs> shared the gospel with me in my youth. That's an incredible heritage. But did you know if you're a believer here today, you have such a heritage? Like, that is, that is incredibly exciting. I mean, think back to who led you to Christ and who's poured into your life. And that that person was a bloke or bloquette worth watching. And then so on and so forth. You can trace it back all the way to the 12 disciples sitting around Jesus' feet on the Mount of Olivets as he gave the Great Commission and said, Go. Go. And so are we going to take up our role? Calvary Chapel, are we going to take up our role? We don't have time to go there today. I'm all studied for it right now. But the role is one of suffering. The role is one of rules. The role is one of toil and hard work. Don't let the word rules bristle you yet. Wait till we get there next week. Because as we look at the good soldier who suffers for the cause, we followers of Jesus must be ready to suffer just as they do. As we look at the athlete who runs hard to win, 
They must compete according to the rules. As we look at the hardworking farmer that labors and toils to the part of exhaustion, none of those metaphors, as we'll see next week, involve luxury and comfort and distraction. But rather, dedication, hard work, sacrifice, suffering, and even many times, death. And so as we have the worship team come forward, I want to move towards just prayer and response, just tackling only one verse and, you know, prayerful every week, like, I only have so many years left in my life, you know, and if we're doing this rate going through First Timothy, like one verse at a time, like, oh my goodness, you know, might make it to Titus, but we'll see. And the Lord just for us today is saying this, this leads to people being taught all of this. This call towards discipleship is so vast. It's so much more than just being about our church even. It's for the, the globe. It's for Crook County. It's for Juniper Canyon as we've been praying and, and strategizing and crying out to the Lord for vision to get up in that people group up in there. It's for Oregon. It's for the nations. As God has a desire for the nations to know him and to worship him. Every tribe, every tongue, every people group. But it won't happen by chance. It won't happen by coincidence. But by purposeful grace-powered, gospel-motivated discipleship on the part of every Christian man and every Christian woman. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians at the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, who is sufficient for these things? It's actually 2 Corinthians. Who is sufficient for these things? It seems like a lot, doesn't it? I got a lot going on, let alone I don't have education. I don't have just like, I don't know if I have the ability to like make a disciple. Who's sufficient for these things? So Paul asks at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and in chapter 3, I think it's verse 3, he says, thanks be to God who makes us sufficient for these things. He makes us sufficient. The story of the Christian church is that the Lord uses the have-nots, to further his mission. He uses the weak and the beggarly and the, the weak things of the world and the foolish things of the world and the base things of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says, so that the, the proud and the wise and the haves, that all of those would be brought to nothing. Why? Why would God do that? It's not how we do it. 1 Corinthians 1 goes on to say, that he might get the glory. That he might get the glory. And so as we just go to prayer, you can put your things aside.
Now we have been a few months since a call in this church towards those feeling called towards leadership in the church, elders and deacons ministry, and having quite a few people just express the feel like God's calling towards that, and, and just time is being spent in investing in those individuals, and a couple weeks ago we ended church by just hearing from chapter 1 verse 6 of 2 Timothy that we would stir up the gift that's within us, realizing that every single one of us Christians in this church have been given a gift or a set of gifts that are manifestations of the Holy Spirit upon us, and that when we use those gifts, the church is edified. As Christ shows up, as the Spirit shows up, we use them. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. The church is built up, and Christ is put on display in the world. And gosh, we had, I don't know, 40 people come forward that Sunday. And just another week of response, just sensing this morning at 5 a.m. on my face, just praying for this morning that today was to be a day of just, just putting ourselves out there for the Lord and being vulnerable before the Lord and saying to the Lord, I hear you, I hear the calling to be a faithful man or a faithful woman who could be entrusted by my leadership with the gospel and to go and even though I'm weak and I don't know how, that I'm... I'm supposed to make a disciple out there. And he will help me to do that. Just still in an attitude of prayer, just want to share the vision. And you can look at me if you want to look at me. You don't have to I mean, just We're just in a heart of just hearing from the Lord. That, uh, you know, just taking the last few months as a church and looking at all of our vision as a church and how the Lord has led us in the years past and looking at where we're at right now for this year. Taking what was last year's vision for discipleship and, and just being humble enough to learn from what didn't work, you know, like, oh man, this was, this was a, a rub or this didn't go right or, or this just wasn't received or something like that. It's okay. Learn from that and take what went well and just hear from the Lord on how to do this and just want to share the pay it forward concept is still alive. That 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it's alive in our church that the beginning of October, we're going to start home groups up, but they're going to have a different flavor than they've ever had in the past. They're, they're going to be weekly home groups where families are invited to come. And anybody who wants to be a disciple and anybody who wants to make disciples, we encourage you to come and there will be food and there will be fellowship. And then there will just be intentional discussion led at that group that will spur us on and help us in our living and in our obeying Jesus and then in our going out and making disciples. And there will be encouragement, not mandated, you know, whack you over the head if you don't like, you know, just hey, encouragement. Who are you discipling? Who can you disciple? How is that going? What are questions that you have in your discipleship? And then from there, those individuals, as the Lord calls them and leads them and equips them, they will go and they'll just meet with, whether it's one person that the Lord puts on their heart, or it's five people. You want to call it a core group, you can. You don't have to. It can be a core person. It can be a core group, whatever. 
But the vision right now is that we would position ourselves as a church throughout the week in homes as they did in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And we will say, here we are, Lord, with our friends in fellowship, sharing with one another daily as the early church did. And here we are ready to be disciples and to make disciples. And just to show up every week at that home and just say, here I am, Lord, use me, send me, however that's to be. And so we encourage you as uh, we're just wrapping up those host homes to be ready to sign up for one, to be ready to maybe pick a night that works best for you. There's going to be different nights rather than just like, this is just the person I've always gone with, so I'm always going to go to their group. There's some blessing to that and there's some benefit. And if that's what the Lord leads you, great. But we'd rather have you there because the day works better than not have you there because your pet person can't do it on the night that works for you. So be prayerful about what group the Lord would have you in, how you can serve in that group, and then how not only you can be poured into by a leader from this church, but also how then you can go. And that, that, there's this lady in this church. I just know there's, there's this young girl. There's these three women. There's five women, whatever. God's calling me to go and to help them to follow Jesus. And we will help you with that. So be prepared by the beginning of October to sign up for a group and to actually be prepared by next week to sign up for a group and for those groups to start at the beginning of October as we are uh, carrying on this heritage of 2 Timothy 2.2. And so as we pray, Lord, just we thank you, Lord, that this is your church. We are your people. Holy Spirit, you have dwelt within us and come upon us. We love that we were not left as orphans, but that the helper, the Holy Spirit, was sent to comfort us and to be with us and to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment and to give us boldness and bravery to share the gospel to the point of death even. And Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit is a discipleship spirit and that he is in us so that we can share this wonderful news. So be in preparation of our church, Lord. Be preparing our church. And as we close in song, I just want to give a place for, just for you to stand. If you just sense the Lord saying, it's time for you. It's time for you to be a bloke worth watching. It's time. Forget about yourself, your abilities. Forget about your past. You're a new creation. You're a new start. My spirit's within you. I will do the equipping. But it's time. It's time to stop being selfish. It's time to stop living for your own dreams and your own vision that happen to be a distraction from my dreams and vision. It's time. And if you just sense the Lord calling you today to be that man or that woman who needs investment, who wants investment into you, and then that you might invest into others, I would just encourage you to stand today. And this 
This isn't necessarily a call just for the whole church to stand. This is just for someone you know the Lord today is just, he's, he's speaking into your life through the word of God. Some of you are already making disciples. Not everyone has to stand. Some of you are, you know, you're, 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 you've already been called about leading one of these groups. You don't have to stand. But if you feel the Lord today saying, hey, I'm calling you to a shift and to a change. And already knowing the, the picture metaphors of a good soldier who's needing to endure hardship and to not be distracted by the affairs of this life. And already the, hard, the athlete who competes according to the rules. And you know that, that you haven't been living according to the rules of God that he's set forth that we could live rightly for him. You, you haven't been a hardworking farmer. In fact, you've been kind of lazy. You, there's no way that you could live a farmer-type life because you live too much for yourself and the cares of this world distract you. And in all of this, the Lord would today by his spirit call you, setting us up for next week. He'd call you to a disciplined life. He'd call you to a dedicated life. And even this morning, he's just putting his finger on your heart. He's touching your heart. And he's saying, I want you to be a woman who's faithful so that you can go and teach faithful women so that the Christian story can be passed on generation to generation. And I want you to be a faithful man who will invest in faithful men who that in 200 years, a story similar to mine with Titus Lane, in 200 years, there will, be a, there will be a road that leads back to even today in your response to the word of God. So if that's you where you're at, just as we close in song, you just want to stand up and say, Rory, pray for me. I just want to step into that next place as a Christian, a place of discipleship, being a disciple, and, and teaching others as well. Why don't you just stand during uh, just this next portion of this next song. We'll have a, a time where we all stand together. But if you just want me to pray over you as you respond to the Bible today, stand where you're at. We'll pray over you. to die God's only Love has no bells What's been 
just continue to sing about the love of Christ. We're singing about the one who started this whole discipleship thing, and he went out and shared with others. He started this method. He was sent from the Father, and now he sends us out. And, and so just as we sing of the love of Christ and of salvation, it doesn't just end with just us being forgiven of our sins. Now there's, now there's a mission and a plan for us that we get to sing about in this great story. I just want to have uh, Kevin come up and Erica, if she's with you, just uh, have Aaron and Stephanie come up. I want to have, I don't know who all's around, so if Johnny's up and Jess, you got a tough thing with the cast, have Lindsay up. Uh, I want to have DJ up if Brenda's able to come up. I just want to have everyone who's been asked, David, and maybe David, you could set the cello aside and come, and Justin, and Katie, and Lisa. Just these are, um, these are blokes worth watching right here. Um, Adam's playing the piano. He's one too. And Lauren, you can come up if you're in here. And these are people who've been asked and they've got these home groups coming up. These are people who are going to be pouring into others. The Papanas, Courtney's here. Joe has been asked uh, to kind of lead a, a Southern Oregon post Polina type group. And, and uh, we're just going to have people up here who are these, these men and women that we see the hand of the Lord on in making disciples. And they're going to be up front as we close. And, and those of you that are standing, I would just ask you to, would you come up and just let us pray over you? We want to lay our hands on you. We see as uh, just some of these leaders that are representing up front, we see our call to invest in you. You're seeing your call to be invested in. And so as we sing of the love of Christ, uh, as we close out today, we just ask if you're standing, come up. Let us lay hands on you. Let us pray over you and this call on your life. And if you're not standing yet and you would come up for this prayer, um, we just rejoice. You know, uh, we rejoice that we're able to have at least, and there's more that could be had so far, but we've got at least eight different homes going to be happening in October where this will be taking place. And uh, eight homes. Think of that picture of the, the kid with the chalkboard. What about eight homes reaching out, people to reach out? Let's just let that be just the heritage of our church. Should you come up and pray? We want to pray over you that the Lord would just put in you just more of that heart, more of that desire. Revive your heart to be a disciple who makes disciples. So come up, leaders of these groups, and, uh, and let's just be up here to pray for people who would just desire more of that in their own lives.
you know, just uh, as we look at this, you know, spoiling alert for next week, this soldier that's willing to suffer, the farmer that's a hard worker, that gets a reward, he gets to eat of his fruit and be the first to partake of his crops, the athlete that competes according to the rules, you know, just the Lord is calling our body to set aside the comforts, to set aside the idol of convenience that is in our culture, uh, the idol of self that is in our culture that has crept into the church and has bled into the church. And he's just preparing us um, for what's biblical that like we're going to suffer for opening our mouths about the gospel. And, and it starts with being able to suffer um, in the little tiny things like yeah, I'll stick around church a little bit longer, or yeah, I'll help set up at the park, or yeah, I'll make a meal for, you know, it's sacrificial. I got to buy more hamburger this month to, to serve the high school group. Yeah, I'll give my Wednesday nights up. Normally, I watch reruns of The Office, but, you know, I'm going to go to the high school group and help out there. And as we're obedient to just be um, uh, uncomfortable and to give up a little bit of this world, he's just going to make that easier and easier and easier. And I was just praying over Jeff. Witten, he knew her to our church, and Jeff and Julie, and they were, uh, Jeff was at the park last week. He was one of the first guys there setting up the sound, and he was one of the last guys to leave, and I would ask him just, to, can you do this? Can you do that? And him and other guys were doing that as well, and I was reminded this morning, I pulled into the parking lot, and I was reminded of Jeff and Shane and, you know, the sound guys and all these guys. I was reminded of a leadership principle recently said, and it's show up early stay late, say yes to everything. <laughs> you know, you want to be useful for the Lord? Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. And so even today, just as we have a place where we're, maybe the Lord's just saying, hey, you know, you got to sell that, or you got to, you know, you, you got to discontinue that, or look, it's been enough time over there. Okay, I've got a mission here. I've got, I've got the kingdom of God that we've got to get about the father's business here then just let him work that in you this morning and just as we close one more just round with the verse come forward for prayer come forward maybe even confess like the lord just showing me i can't come early when i've got this hobby or this pastime that you know i can't be used in april for the lord april's my time i can't be used in september september's my time i can't be used July, I can't stay late, you know, brunch is my time, you know, and the Lord just wants to say, hey, let's get rid of this whole my time stuff, and there's these things that you're holding on to, it's time to just let go, and just trust me with them, because I've got a plan for you to be used, I've got a plan for you to be used, to be poured into, and to pour into others, one last time, we're singing about the love of Christ, he laid down his life, thorn, you know, nails in his hands, spear in his side. Let's let the Lord just work, you know, a bit of the spear in our side where we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. And the life that we live, we live for him. And so let's let that life be lived for him. Come up, get prayer. Let us just see you. Come and stand and be a part of the blokes worth watching today. And we'll just put our eye on you and we will invest in you for the ministry. So just one last time through, I want to be up here to pray for you all.